Book Three, Chapter Seven of Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book Three, Chapter Seven. Henceforth I fly not death, nor would prolong life much, bent rather how I may be quit fairest and easiest of this cumbrous charge, which I must keep till my appointed day of rendering up and patiently attend my dissolution. A strange unrest came upon Elizabeth after that Sunday evening, a slow consuming fever of the mind, which in due course had its effect upon the body. The knowledge of Malcolm Ford's vicinity quickened the beating of her heart by day and night. Her sleep was broken by troubled dreams of their meeting. Her days were made anxious by the perpetual question, how soon would accident bring them face to face? or would he come of his own accord to see her deeming the past buried deeper than the utmost deep of a fine lady's memory come to visit her in his sacred office of priest come to solicit help for his poor support for this or that benevolent object come to make a ceremonious professional call upon the lady of slogh the days went by and he did not come and she told herself that she was glad yet she kept count of all visitors with a strange watchfulness and was fluttered by every sound of the bell at the chief doorway in her walks and drives the same fatal thought pursued her at every shadow that fell suddenly upon her pathway at every approaching footstep she would look up trembling lest she should see his tall figure between her and the sunlight was it a hope that buoyed her up from day to day or a fear that troubled her she scarcely dared to ask herself that question. Sometimes she stayed indoors all day, seized with a conviction or a presentiment that he would come upon that particular day. He would call upon her and speak gently of that poor dead past and assure her of his forgiveness and give her good counsel for the guidance of her life and teach her how wisely to tread the dangerous path she had chosen. But that day dragged itself slowly out like all the rest, and he did not come. So passed a week. On Sunday she ordered her pony carriage and went to Dunallen, dreading that Miss Disney might offer to accompany her. But the discreet damsel forbore from any such intrusion. She had made her inquiries during the week, and knew perfectly who was officiating in the absence of the incumbent at Dunallen Church. "'Your preacher at Dunallen must be much better than ours here,' she said, standing in the porch as Elizabeth passed by to her pony carriage, "'to tempt you to violate the Scottish Sabbath on two consecutive Sundays. "'I do not think it any more wicked to drive on a Sunday in Scotland than in Devonshire,' answered Elizabeth. Oh, nor I. I was only thinking of the custom of the country. I know at Ashcombe we had a strong inducement to make a long journey to hear your father's curate. Oh, that Mr. Ford, who preached such splendid sermons and seemed always so terribly in earnest. He went to some outlandish place as a missionary, did he not? Yes. Oh, what a pity. You need not bewail the fact. He has returned, and is in Scotland. I'm going to hear him preach today. You can come with me if you like, answered Elizabeth, 
with a splendid look of defiance as much as to say whatever sins may stain my soul they shall not be the paltry sins of deceit and suppression oh, oh no thanks i will come some other sunday said miss disney curiously discomfited by this unexpected candour she had taken so much trouble in a secret way to ascertain the fact which elizabeth declared so recklessly not carelessly or indifferently for her eyes sparkled and her lips quivered and the fever flush that had come and gone so often of late reddened her cheek miss disney had a spare half-hour before the morning service at the iron chapel leisure in which to pace slowly to and fro upon the lawn before the norman gothic porch thinking of her cousin and her cousin's wife did she seriously mean to injure either of them or deliberately plot the ruin of her fortunate rival oh, no nor had she any thought of a day when death might sweep that rival from her path and she herself be lady paulyn she knew her cousin reginald too well to hope for that knew that his brief fancy for her had never been more than an idle man's caprice and had perished utterly ten years ago knew that whatever wealth of affection he had to bestow he had squandered upon his wife knew that there was no farther outcome of feeling to be hoped for from his selfish soul that whatever love he could feel whatever self-sacrifice he was capable of love and sacrifice alike would be wasted upon elizabeth she hoped nothing therefore had no scheme no dream only stood by like the chorus in an old tragedy or prophesied to herself like a mute cassandra but she had loved her cousin had in that distant unforgotten day cherished her golden dream of a happy prosperous existence to be spent by his side and she could not see him quite as he really was in all the utter commonness of his nature as for her feelings towards elizabeth well it was hardly to be supposed that she should love the woman who had stolen from her that crown of life which she herself had hoped to wear the woman who after having robbed her of this treasure scarcely took the trouble to be civil to her no she did not love her cousin's wife what shall i do she thought as she walked to and fro i can understand the change in her now the change which only began last sunday afternoon it was the shock of seeing this man again and she goes to-day to hear him preach and will contrive to see him perhaps after the service oh, what ought i to do warn my cousin that his wife's old lover is living within a few miles of him or hold my tongue and let him make the discovery for himself he is sure to make it sooner or later and i do not owe him so much devotion that i need put myself in a false position to save him a little trouble so miss disney did nothing and suffered matters to take their course contemplating the situation in a cynical spirit prepared for anything that might happen it seemed as if the old dowager's gloomy prophecies and she had prophesied about the various evils to come of her son's marriage with the convulsive fury of a pythoness on her tripod were in a fair way to be realised it really seems hardly worth while to hate anybody actively mused miss disney for the people one dislikes generally manage to do themselves the worst injury that malice could wish them sooner or later 
this sunday was finer than the last the autumn sun shone with rare splendour the little church at dunallen was full to overflowing the word had gone forth throughout the neighbourhood that mr mackenzie's substitute was a fine preacher a man who had done good service as a missionary too people had come from a long distance to hear him elizabeth felt herself a unit among the crowd there was no fear that he would be disturbed by the sight of her she thought yet she had a seat tolerably near the pulpit the pew-opener having been eager to do her honour a seat at the end of an open bench in a diagonal line with the preacher how sweet a sound had the familiar prayers when he read them what a sound of long ago full of old sad memories of the churches at hawley and her dead father's kindly face they filled her soul with tenderness and remorse oh, how wicked she had been all her life how hard how selfish she was not fit to worship among his flock how many and many a time sunday after sunday her lips had gabbled those prayers mechanically while her worldly thoughts were wandering far away from the fane where she knelt it seemed as if his voice gave a new meaning to the old words stirred her soul to its profoundest depth as the pool was troubled at siloam not for a long while hardly since her girlhood when she had fitful moments of religious enthusiasm in the midst of her frivolity had she felt the same fervour blended with such deep humility all the fever and excitement of the last week was lulled to rest in the solemn quiet of that little church among the hills again she felt that it was enough for her to be near this saintly teacher whom she had once loved with but too earthly a passion enough to be near him and that she might be good for his sake a better wife even i will try to do my duty to my husband she said to herself as she sat listening to the sermon her eyes bent on the open book in her lap not daring to look up lest his eyes should meet hers strangely dreading that first direct look the stern recognising gaze of those dark eyes of his after this gap of time his sermon was upon duty a straight and simple discourse adorned by no florid eloquence but made touching by many a tender allusion to that lovely life which is the type and pattern of all human excellence he spoke of the duties which belong to every relation of life of children and of parents of husbands and of wives it was a sermon after the apostolic model friendly counsel to his new friends here among the remote scottish hills far away from the falsehood and artificialities of crowded cities a simple pastoral address to the people of this small arcadia if i could only obey him elizabeth thought at this moment a different creature from the brilliant mistress of the house with the many balconies the presiding genius of crowded afternoon tea-drinkings the connoisseur in ceramic ware who would melt down a small fortune into a service of eggshell sevres or vienna or carl theodore cups and saucers and cream jugs and tea canisters for the mere amusement of an idle morning a widely different being from her whose last ball had astonished the town by its reckless extravagance whose milliner's bill would have been formidable for miss kilman's egg by nature a creature of impulse carried away by every vain wind of doctrine 
she was at least accessible to good influences as well as evil and was for this one brief hour exalted purified in spirit by the power of her old lover's pleading pleading not as her lover only as one who loved all weak and erring human creatures and had compassion unawares for her does he know she wondered does he know that i hear him oh surely he must have cast one of his penetrating glances this way nothing in his tone or manner indicated the surprise or emotion which might have accompanied such a recognition if he had seen her the sight had not moved him the memories which shook her soul to its centre had no power to touch him he was like rock she remembered the old bitter cry that had gone up from her lips in those dreary days when she had waited for his coming back to her his heart is stone strange that a heart should be so tender for all mankind yet so hard for her there was a time when i thought my love was worth any man's having just because they told me i was prettier than other women yet he has shown me that he could live without it that he could have it and hold it and let it go without a pang not once during the half-hour in which he spoke to his listening flock had she dared lift her eyes to his face sweet though it was to hear him it was almost a relief when the sermon ended she breathed more freely stole one little look at the pulpit where he knelt saw the dark head and strong hands clasped before it and wondered again if he knew that she was so near then came the chink chink of the sixpences the gradual melting away of the congregation and she was standing before the gothic doorway this time donald did not keep her waiting the carriage was ready for her she drove home very slowly still wondering end of book 3 chapter 7